This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, presented by VT Scoop on 247sports.com. Get out of here and get something cold to drink. <laughs> Y'all want to, too, you know it. All right, let it rip, let it rip, let's go. Listen, if you're a Virginia Tech Hokies fan, you know why you're here. It's been a rough week, and things don't make sense right now. But to break things down, offer a little bit of insight, I'm joined by Sir Douglas Bowman. Doug, what's going on? Not a whole lot, to be honest. Uh, (laughs) Things kind of went off the rails last Friday night, I would say, um, into Saturday morning, but... uh, Instead of being, let's see, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Instead of being two and a half days away from game day, we're now, what's that, nine and a half days away from game day, hopefully. Um, So, you know, not a great last four or five days here, but uh, we're just hanging in there and hoping for the best. Did you watch some college football this past weekend? Oh, yeah. You still had to tune in. It was still like... Every, you know, 30 seconds, the bottom line would flash up and say that Virginia Tech and UVA had been postponed. But, um, you know, still get to tune in and see the, the fun belt getting after it and things like that. It feels like we're almost in a dream world because Virginia Tech keeps getting pushed back. Bad things continue to happen for Virginia Tech. And it was nice and refreshing this past weekend to watch some other ACC games, to watch Miami kick off the ACC slate, to watch... UNC and Syracuse, Clemson, Wake Forest. There's a bunch of games, but you know, overall, it's it's been tough for Virginia Tech fans. And you know, the news just kept hitting last week. First, you have the postponement of UVA, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But probably the most shocking piece of news that just came out: Devin Hunter indefinitely suspended. Doug, what were your initial thoughts when you read that statement? The, I mean, the initial thought is very surprised from everything we've heard about Devin Hunter and uh, the kind of person he is and how hard he's worked to get to, you know, this point of his career. Um, came in as, everybody knows the story, came in as the, one of the be- biggest recruits of Justin Fuente's tenure. Doesn't really hit the ground running like he expected to or like anyone expected to and you know, that's that's why this is you know a surprising situation and that he's done everything right. And it's really a example for what you would like to see a lot of other college players do and that they trust their coaches and stick around and trust the development process and all that. So, I mean, first seeing that was like, wow, you know, that's not the guy that you would think would would get suspended. And then there was the whole period of uncertainty about what was the what was the reasoning? So just a, just a sad situation all along, all around. And, you know, 
that's really all you can say about it. Yeah, Surprising and sad. It's tough, too, because you look at Virginia Tech, and I feel like there's always a big-name player, and it always happens to be on the defensive side, I feel like. But you go back to C.J. Rivas, you go to Mook Reynolds, and now Devin Hunter, Javion Becton, uh, you know, guys on the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, I saw a lot of people upset on Twitter, obviously so. This is a guy that was a former top 50 prospect, and many expected him to have a breakout year. I think just beyond his on-field impact, just looking at it through the lens of, of Virginia Tech right now, it's, you know, they're being blamed for something kind of out of their control. Anytime you see something like an indefinite suspension, that is a university issue. That's something that, you know, not even the football team can control. And, you know, to see all these accusations out there was a little disheartening, to be honest. But, you know, th- this is tough news because I feel like no matter what, this happens once a year at least. And I don't know why it's happening. You know, I don't want to go into the specifics. I don't think it's fair for us to speculate what happened, what didn't happen. But I I think, you know, moving forward, we can look at it. How does this affect the team? And, And certainly you could tell by just the players reacting to the news. You know, this was a guy that everyone respected. And like you mentioned, this is a guy that, you know, Justin Fuente was going out of his way to praise. So let's look at it from his on field impact who are some guys you're thinking that could replace him? Many penciled him in as a starter at the new boundary safety slot, but where does Virginia Tech go from here? I think uh, I really think there's probably two options. Uh, J.R. Walker is the guy, the kind of the young, you know, even dating back to last year, he was always seen as the heir apparent at one of the safety spots. So that's a um, you know, is he ready to? He's a true sophomore, played in it. I think he played in a couple games just a little bit last season, but is he ready for that kind of role? We'll, I guess we'll find out. Um, and I think Jamari Connor is, is the other one. He's the whip guy now, which is kind of becoming an outdated position in college football in terms of being that safety cornerback linebacker hybrid at a time when there's so many four and five wide receiver sets and you get the slot receivers that are, that are ultra quick. And, you know, he's got a lot of talent and led the team in sacks last year, I believe. So it almost feels like safety would be if Virginia tech sees a lot of that spread offenses, a lot of those spread offenses. And if, if they want to keep their best players on the field, the best 11 players on the field as much as possible, I think Jamari Connor is definitely one of the best 11 players. So maybe shifting him over to the new safety spot keeps him on the field more and allows better matchups as far as putting you know true cornerbacks on true wide receivers. Um, but then that brings into the question of, does Virginia Tech have enough cornerbacks to do that? So um, there's a lot of questions there. I think Walker and Connor are probably the two favorites. Yeah, and especially looking at a guy like J.R. Walker, redshirt freshman, a guy that doesn't really have experience. And personally, I see him faring more as a free safety than a strong safety. I think the question that needs to be asked is, what does the team need out of the strong safety in this defense? Because looking at a guy like Chamari Connor. He's pretty much involved in every facet of the defense. He can get you sacks. He can get guys running backs behind the line of scrimmage. He can cover tight ends. He's a guy that 
I think offers insurance and in more in, more so in the run game than in a coverage standpoint. And I think if you're breaking it down into simple terms and looking at a strong safety as a guy that can reinforce your run defense and also be a guy that's kind of more of a reactive player, I think he's the type of guy that you want there that doesn't necessarily have to stick to one player on the offense, but can kind of do all those things he was doing before. So it'll be interesting to see what types of responsibilities Justin Hamilton wants out of this boundary safety. That's that's the other thing is we we would normally know a lot more about what's expected of that position. Um, going back to under Bud Foster, but now we're still waiting for Justin Hamilton and see what tweaks and whatever he's done with the defensive scheme to know for sure what they're looking for. I think, I think Connor makes a ton of sense just because that's, that's a, that's a move he's going to have to make if he wants to play at the next level. Anyway, he's not going to be a, he's not going to be an outside linebacker in the NFL. He's not going to be a cornerback in the NFL. So, you know, I think long-term he's probably a strong safety, free safety type. Um, So at some point, you know, I think he can show some of those skills at at whip if he stays there. But I think also um, settling in. You know, I think you look at a safety combination of Diablo and and Connor, and I think that's a really formidable duo um, back there. But I, you know, it's it, it all depends on the rest of the secondary situation. I think too. I mean, in terms of if they can get enough corners that they feel comfortable with, which I think is a stretch maybe right now. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> just add it to the, uh, to the list of uncertainties. I mean, we talked last week, I think I said Armani Chapman was probably the one guy that you weren't completely comfortable with. And, you know, mentioning Devin Hunter at Rover is the second one. And so now you definitely have two question marks on the defense. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, It does help that Justin Hamilton played safety, is a safeties coach still, and the defensive coordinator. So if there's any position that he knows how to figure out best, it is that safety slots. And, you know, we'll see what happens moving on from here. Obviously, Devin Hunter, a huge blow on-field impact, off-field impact as well. A locker room guy, a lot of players speaking out against you know, what was happening, offering prayers. And so we'll see what, what happens. For now, he's indefinitely suspended. Um, but let's move on. Let's talk about what was supposed to be the Virginia week. No more postponed. Virginia Tech cites an outbreak with COVID-19. No more game, no more Commonwealth Cup. This is now the new norm for college football, or more specifically Virginia Tech. Two games, two postponements. Do we even know if we're going to have a season at this point? Uh, I think I think it's wise to consider the entire schedule tentative at this point, um, particularly once you have the kind of kind of an outbreak that forces you to cancel a game um, so close to the game. I mean, you're, the way the rules and policies are set up is just not going to be a quick and smooth, you know, miss one week you know, the next week recovery. So I think that NC state game is still very much up in the air. Um, depending on, you know, how NC it happened in NC state, but they at least had the luxury of, you know, an additional three, two or three weeks to get back into the swing of things. And now Virginia tech's trying to do it in the span of a week, really. Um, 
so yeah, I think it's just the way college football is in 2020. I think the official count of postponed games across the country is up to seven now. Uh, Arkansas State just beat Kansas State in a big upset last weekend, and now they're postponing their next game. So even if you even if you get the season off off the ground, it's going to be a start and stop kind of thing. So um, I think. I think it's unfortunate that's happening to Virginia Tech right now, but I don't think, um, I think maybe not most, but a a considerable amount of programs will be dealing with this at some point where you have, it's just not possible with how, how you practice football and how you prepare for football games to, um, to not have, you know, a couple positive tests plus contact tracing knocks out a, it's going to knock out a bunch of teams um, at any time this season. Yeah. And the contact tracing, obviously the big part in it. Um, even if you have one guy practicing, you know, and he, he touches the ball, the ball touches everyone else. You, you know, it, it, it's tough. It's and, and following the rules, which Virginia tech is doing and following protocol, you know, that's going to happen. So I think the tough part specifically about the Virginia game is you look at the schedule And moving the NC State game worked because Virginia Tech, NC State both had open weeks on September 26th, which is now the first game of the season for Virginia Tech. But beyond that, there's not a lot of wiggle room in order to make this Virginia game happen. And I think that's that's the tough part about this all. You open up the season against Virginia, have a chance to reclaim the Commonwealth Cup, right? If the season ends there... I would bet a lot of Virginia Tech fans would at least be happy that they can brag to their UVA counterparts and say, "Look, at least we had this one game." I think but everybody now- was. I think everybody was fine with one and zero, and that's it. <laughs> right, and and to be honest, I was kind of expecting. You know, I, I I didn't know if the football season would make it out of September, and maybe that's a pessimistic way to look at it. Um, but just with everything going on, it seemed very tough. So having that chance, whether you know win or lose, to have a big game like that to open up the season was huge for Virginia Tech. And now you're looking at the schedule. How do you organize things? How do you almost play Tetris with the schedule in order to make this game work? You know, they haven't even commented on when this game will be played. It looks right now the only open week is 12-12, December 12th. I don't know if that's going to happen, to be honest. So, again, it's it's tough because this was the one game that almost weighs more than the others. Yeah, this is. I mean, that's why they scheduled it um, for the nineteenth initially, is to try and get it, try and get those um, rivalry games out of the way early. And that's why before the Big Ten canceled, they were opening with Michigan, Ohio State, I think, and USC and UCLA were set to play early. Um, so you definitely want to try and get, there was a clear strategy to try and get that, those rivalry games, those important games in as early as possible. So this one kind of throws everything out the window. I actually wrote an article that should be posting sometime where I played with the schedule to get the UVA game rescheduled at some point in October, basically. And it's a challenge and it's possible, but it takes rejuggling. Uh, you know, the schedules of three or four other teams. So, you know, I, I think, I don't think you're going to see a massive reshuffling like that as we go along, just knowing that 
more are expected. I think more than likely, more than likely, you're just going to let the you know Virginia Tech UVA game is going to sit out there. Worst worst case, they play the twelfth of December, but obviously waiting that long isn't isn't ideal if you're putting more importance on on playing that that rivalry game. So, but as you know, as 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 postponements happen and people deal with COVID outbreaks and all that stuff, I think you'll see some spots open up on the schedule. The ACC is already proven, but they moved that UVA Duke game up because UVA is ready to play. So, um, if if you're if you're healthy enough to play, they're going to try and move games so that you can play while you're healthy. And I think that's smart. But um, who knows where it's going to fit in? Uh, there's another. I think the 28th is another. Late November is another opening weekend, and just it's a mess and. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't want to be the ACC scheduling guru who's running. He's probably running so many scenarios for every which situation these days. Yeah, and all these athletic directors, you you know, accustomed to scheduling out years in advance, and all of a sudden are just every single day. You never know what it will bring you. Uh, hopefully, that ends that that practice that we don't need to schedule games ten years in advance. Because clearly, pe- people are fully capable of scheduling games weeks in advance. So um, maybe we can just tear up a bunch of contracts, and that's a different story. But <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that another time. But now the opener for Virginia Tech, NC State. It's the first week for both schools, and hopefully, fingers crossed. Second week for NC State. Second week for NC State. But for Virginia Tech, it's, uh, you know, seeing some familiar faces, Charlie Wiles, Brian Mitchell, now on the Wolfpack defense. So what do you expect out of this? Do you think, first of all, are we going to play? Uh, <laughs> um, that's the million dollar question right now. I think it's, like I said earlier, I think it's up in the air. It sounds like Tech is getting some guys back today and tomorrow and as the week as the week goes along, you get guys back, but um, whether they're ready to ready to play, like the team just took four days off, and um, these guys have been in quarantine, presumably for some amount of time, at least the positive guys. So when they come back, how physically ready are you to go in nine days or whatever it is at this point? I don't. I don't think we know. I think. I, I got to imagine by Saturday or Sunday they're they're making a decision on that. So at least NC State knows what's going on. Um, but you know they play Wake Forest on Saturday, which I think I think playing a game, particularly NC State and how their team is set up, I think playing a game before before this one is a big advantage for NC State compared to Virginia Tech going in there having not played a game. So. Um, <laughs> clearly a long way to go until we get to next Saturday. It feels like it's a mile or several miles away. Um, but, you know, I think I think at this point it's up in the air. I'm not going to lie. I kind of jumped ahead and, you know, fast forwarded and thought, you know, maybe this upcoming weekend was the game. But, you know, in fact, it's in 10 days. So unfortunate. But NC State. What do you expect out of them? What do you expect out of this game? Obviously, prime time, eight thirty slot. Like, like we didn't have long enough to wait already. Now, 
<laughs> now you got to wait till eight o'clock at night for the game to kick off, which I did think it was interesting. Fuente on TikTok Live admitted that he thought about it from like a a COVID situation perspective, where if they they they'll get their test results back Saturday morning from the Friday test every week, and now in a in a worst case situation, you're playing a noon game and you find out at ten o'clock that your starting quarterback is is out for the game and you're trying to get, trying to get your backup um, ready to go in you know ninety minutes or something. But at, at least this point, <laughs> you know you would have twelve hours maybe to to get somebody ready to go. So, um, but you know, NC State they were not a good team in twenty nineteen. Um, their quarterback play, I think they played three different quarterbacks, finally settled on one guy. Um, his name's Dennis Leary, I think, and he completed less than 50% of his passes. Um, was uh, he, He's young, and they're, they're sticking with him this year, so I think they got a lot of confidence in his development, but he just wasn't ready to play last season um, as much as he did. And then defensively, they struggled, particularly in the secondary. They're good up front on the line. Um, Aline McNeil is a guy that Tech went after and just missed out on that. I think a lot of people were recognized. Um, so that that prompted the coaching changes. I think they have a brand new coaching staff, except they promoted Tony Gibson to defensive coordinator. Um, they brought in the former Texas offensive coordinator as their offensive coordinator. So there's a lot of that's why them having a game under their belt is so huge for them compared to you know, going in there blind. Um, even, you know, Charlie Wiles coached defensive line basically the same way at Virginia Tech for the last 24, 25 years, and they're actually running a three-three-five defense at NC State this year. So he makes a, his first his first move of his coaching career, basically. And now he's coaching a three-man front instead of a four-man front. So um, I think it all comes down to their quarterback play and whether, whether he has developed – past where he was at the at the end of last season i watched i watched on youtube the the unc nc state game that that ended their season and it just got ugly out there so uh i think that's what even with all the uncertainty and nc state playing wake forest this weekend um which will at least allow virginia tech to get some film on them i think it comes down to dennis leary and where he is at quarterback yeah, and you know, I'll be honest, I don't know all too much about NC State, and it'll be nice to have a, yet another bye week and, and watch another team and get some film on them, see how they look. But yeah, it is interesting. And the 335, I, I haven't seen that since West Virginia in 2017. So, you know, Virginia Tech did well against that front. So we'll see what happens out of that. But let's move in to the best part of every podcast. The questions from you guys. And I'll be honest, I posted earlier this morning and I said, fire away with any current curiosities or off-topic thoughts. And we did get a bunch of off-topic thoughts. So, <laughs> Well, it's a bye week, so we got we might as well. We haven't seen any football. People forgot what football was. So, you know, we're all over the place and, you know, bear with us throughout this ne- next segment. Uh, as we break down some of your questions, the first one from sideline guy, how was attendance at practice today? So we're currently recording on Wednesday, September 16th. Um, and it is not a full capacity practice just yet. Everyone's sort of easing through what was last week. 
and slowly coming back to the practice field. They took four days off from all um, activities related to football. So guys are slowly easing back into the mix now, and they should be at full strength by Friday. Yeah, and they, they posted a picture, I think, on social media earlier today of them stretching out. So it's got to be weird, especially, I mean, the, the, they took four four days off from everything, even the healthy guys. So um, everybody's getting back in the swing of things, I think. And Fuente talked a little bit about the process, and you're seeing guys can come back today, tomorrow, the day after that. So um, it feels like progress, but I don't want to go there. Carlos Danger wants to know how magnets work. <laughs> so this was third grade or fourth grade, and I don't remember it at all. It's something about a North Pole and a South Pole and some iron. Stuff happens. You know, my my grandpa's a scientist, so he'll be a little disappointed if he ever were to hear this. But look, there's something with force. There's something with atoms, and they repel, they attract, and... You know, that's that's pretty much all you need to know. It still doesn't make sense even when you explain it. I, I know that at least back in the day, you weren't supposed to put magnets on computers, but I don't know if that's still a thing. But if it is, don't <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> all right. Um, so Hokey for Life 12, who are your favorite 2022 prospects? So this is looking ahead one class. I'm just going to name a couple, okay? I don't want to go too in-depth on recruiting. Um, first name on the list, Tevin White, North Stafford. Same high school as Devin Ford, four-star guy, running back. Um, you know, Virginia Tech has done a very good job there. Obviously, as you've seen in the past, North Stafford tends to ship their guys off to Penn State. So, as you can expect, this will probably eventually be a Penn State, Virginia Tech, maybe even a West Virginia battle, um, but a really, really solid running back. I think, you know, overall 2022 is a great year for Virginia. I, I think it's the most talent I've ever seen uh, in my time, at least covering recruiting. Um, some other guys, Gunnar Givens, Zach Rice, both five-star linemen uh, and both from Virginia, uh, Rashad Purnell, a defensive end out of Highland Springs uh, is a guy that caught my eye. He's not a four-star yet, but I, I think he has the ability to get there. And then, uh, you know, a little side note. Love the name. Popeye Williams. Weak side defensive end. Westfield, Must Indiana. get. Must get. get. Top of the board. So, but in, in all seriousness, great prospect. Defensive line guy. I think 6'3", 225. Um, a guy that would fit right in for TNT. So, you know, there's a there's a ton of talent. I think if you were a Virginia Tech fan and, you know, recruiting's kind of gotten you down. And look, not all these five-star guys are going to come to Virginia Tech. All the top dogs in the nation uh, will be recruiting them. But there's a lot to like about the crop in Virginia um, and the overall talent of the 2022 class. So I think Virginia Tech has positioned themselves well. Um, there's still a very, very long way to go, but um, there's a lot to like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know much about any of the specific prospects at this point, but uh, that the depth of talent in Virginia, I do know, is is much better in 2022 than it has been in recent years. So I know Virginia Tech staff is really excited about that, but it all 
I mean, we this is, we say this all the time. It, it's going to come down to if Virginia Tech can get on the field and establish the momentum. If they can, even if they just get out there for five games and go four and one or something, um, I think that'll be huge and and kind of turning around perception and, and and continuing to show the upward trend of 2018 to 2019 and what's in store in the future. I think if you know this is the this is a pivotal especially with the way the 2020 class and the 2021 class are going is even if Justin Fuente is still the head coach in 2022, 2023, he needs some momentum to, to avoid a, a, a drop basically after this current, these current upperclassmen that are on make up most of the roster now leave. So, um, at the end of the day, it comes down to winning on the field, I think. And that's a much bigger topic, but, they need to win. JDS0403. LOL at the Clippers. Talk about them. <laughs> Got to talk about the Nuggets then. Yeah, more credit to the Nuggets than the Clippers. Who... Jokic, whatever his name is, dude's awesome. He's amazing. And, you know, couldn't imagine letting a 3-1 series lead slip. It's almost like... What was it? Twenty-four <laughs> zero at halftime at the Belk Bowl against Arkansas. It's almost like that. It's it's nearly impossible, but never say never. All right. The next one is from D Kaiser Five. What's the current mentality of the team? They have had two games canceled and COVID issue alongside losing a starter and a friend in Hunter. How's the locker room feeling at this point? I'm sure it's been really hard um, to be. So close to, you know, seven days away from playing EVA again to losing Devin Hunter, who, you know, we have heard about what he's done since he stepped on campus in terms of the effort and trust in the coach and all that stuff. And they have seen it, and I'm sure. And I think that's really why you saw that Twitter outburst when they, when it first came out, was that these guys saw how saw the work he put in to get to to basically be the starting safety this year and that's that was the disappointment there so clearly i mean just taking covid by itself is tough for every single team and everything i mean you're losing guys and going into quarantine and all that stuff every day is different and then you tack on that um on top of it i'm sure the last you know four or five days have been really hard yeah not only that but you know, being stuck in your room, uh, staring at blank walls. Not really, yeah. but, uh, you know, not not being able to, you know, have an impact and, and, and just watching, you know, not knowing when you'll see Devin again. Um, you know, it's, it must be tough. So, yeah, it's like, you know, the last really hard time. I mean, they're, they don't compare at all. But after the Duke game last year. We everybody's talking about going three and nine or four and eight. Clearly, something's really wrong, and I'm sure, I'm sure that was a really hard process. But at least Sunday, they got to go back into the facility and get together and figure it out. And now, all this hits the fan, and you're (laughs) sitting with your three roommates in apartment complex in Blacksburg, not able to be around each other. I think. just just a really difficult season really really sucks so um yeah hopefully uh you know with another week of practice and 
you know, if if everyone on the team is taking care of what they're supposed to, uh, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you're going to have that game. And, you know, maybe things seem more normal once you step foot on the football field, you know, wearing the Virginia Tech uniform again and and being able to hit someone else that's not your own people. So I'm sure that will be a, a, a nice reward for for all the hardships that the team is going through now. Uh, D Kaiser five also wants to know any news on the transfer portal is Virginia tech looking at anyone, maybe DJ Matthews, a little bit of context here, DJ Matthews, uh, Florida state wide receiver. Uh, he entered the transfer portal. I believe he is a graduate. Uh, so could be a graduate transfer. I'm not quite sure on the specifics. Um, but at one point in time in his recruiting process, he really loved Virginia Tech. They were his number two school. Um, so I would not be surprised to see Virginia Tech kind of put their hat in the ring. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And, uh, you know, it would be interesting with uh, the news to Jaden payout. If you are moving a guy like Tavion Robinson to the outside, uh, maybe finding a guy like DJ Matthews, who has made a living in the slot, is an electric punt returner, could be an option. Just throwing that out there. I don't, I can't imagine it's easy to add a transfer at this point, though. Uh, even if, Let's say he makes a decision on Saturday, the 19th, and then he comes, gets to Blacksburg. I'm sure he has to quarantine at some level as a new guy entering the quote-unquote bubble, even though it's not a bubble. But um, So you're looking at missing two or three games already and not practicing until October. Um I think that's a, that's that's difficult to you know kind of make that work. Yeah, and I will say it's it it is weird timing to do it now to go into the transfer portal, and I'm sure he had reasons to do it, but it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be tough to find a place. And again, I don't know the specifics. I don't know if he has to sit out this year and then he's a graduate transfer, or if it's immediate. But um, you know, whether or not you know, of course. It's 2020, so all, all all things, all normal things are off the table. That's Virginia true. Tech, Virginia Tech added two graduate transfers in August, which never happens. So, who knows? One more from D Kaiser Five. Do you think Virginia Tech will send students home like UNC? It would basically put Virginia Tech's football team in a bubble. It doesn't sound like it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it sounds like President Sands and the the educational administration. I don't know what you would actually call that, but um, is committed to figuring this out. And um, So at this point, I would say no. I know they just moved people out of East Eggleston to pick up some more quarantine space. And um, yeah, I mean, you're not really, I would be skeptical that sending students home saves anybody, puts 
puts anybody except the freshmen living on campus in a true bubble. Um, I know when I was at Virginia Tech, if I was in a situation where I lived in an apartment complex off campus and they sent everybody home and I had the option of going home for three months or hanging out in Blacksburg in my apartment complex, you know, I'd probably stay in the apartment complex. So, you know, I don't think sending students home um, does anything except send people off campus, I mean, people on campus home. So, you know, Virginia Tech's smallest recruiting class in however many years are the only guys living on campus at this point. So um, I don't know if that would be, it would help the football team, but I don't see it happening. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a tough debate there. Um, to H. Clark, who do you think we finish out this class with? Uh, it has to be defensive tackles, the names I cannot get you yet. Uh, still evaluating there. Uh, but the question I did want to go to is Pamplin, bro. Who's one recruit that Virginia Tech missed out on for 2021 that if you had the power, you would get to commit and sign with Virginia Tech and why? And my answer to that, is Demetrius Davis. It is not. Oh. It is not. So I would go Donovan McMillan. Obviously with, you know, committed to Florida. Seemed like it was going either way. He played very close to to the vest and he's a guy that I think just say he reminds me of old Virginia Tech defenses. He's a hard-hitting free or hard-hitting strong safety that I think would fit really, really well with Justin Hamilton being coached up by a guy that has NFL experience. And I think he would absolutely be a fan favorite. Um, tremendous kid, tremendous player. And, you know, I know he's rated what, I think a, maybe a low four star, but I think he's a guy that, you know, would be a huge deal, you know, close to Devin Hunter level for me, at least. So he's one guy I think Virginia Tech really missed out on and and would definitely add to this 2021 class. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stick with Demetrius Davis. Uh, elite level quarterback, most important position on the field. The roster distribution has changed a little bit. So, you know, when he was committed, it was like he was going to come in and back up. Hinden Hooker or whoever it was for a year and then take over in 2022. And now with this eligibility thing, it's changed a little bit with the potential of those guys hanging around an extra year. But I mean, you still don't turn around a guy like that or turn down a guy like that. And what he could, what he could do as a quarterback is still going to be, um, I think it's, it's going to be one of those uh, major what ifs of, you know, the Justin Fuente era is, you know, what if they'd, what if they kept Davis in the boat, um, considering what he can do on the field? Fair answer, fair answer. Hokey fan 14, when are you guys going to bring 806 back? The next question. Hokey in Florida, 28. Let's say the offense struggles again this year. In parentheses, there shouldn't be any excuses. Would Fuente look to get another offensive coordinator, or would he stick it out with Corn? Is VT cross-training... We'll, we'll go for the first question, actually, first. I think it would be on the table. Um, I don't think... I think given where the talent level is on offense this year, it would be... Uh, like, Hokey and Florida 20 said, there shouldn't be any excuses. So if they struggle, 
Uh, look, if they struggle, Justin Fuente's buyout probably doesn't let him, especially now during COVID, get fired after this year. But I don't think that um, means that other coaching state, like that would be the last move that he would make. Because if, you know, you struggle, if the offense struggles this year, the team's going to struggle. He, they, they might not have the money to buy him out this year. But next year, if they struggle again, they would. So I think that would be the that would that would be the move. Yeah, yeah I think. and I I think it's tough to say because you know, in in simple terms, you can say yes, it would be you know you struggle, you get a new guy, but there's so many complications with the current climate and you know the available money to get someone else. Um, who you know, I, so many questions. But you know, the other thing guess, is, go ahead. The other thing is you're back in a situation where you're hiring an offensive coordinator in a potentially lame duck situation. And who can you get at that point? Tech went through it with Frank Beamer. And that's how they ended up with Scott Leffler. Leffler, pretty good offensive coordinator, now the head coach of Bowling Green, and did some good things with um, with recruiting in particular, who he landed and all that stuff. But, you know, he'd been fired his last two stops and that's not hiring, you know, the kind of offensive coordinator that people are going to want to hire if they make a change there. Yeah. And as bad as this is going to sound, and I'm not saying it's right, but Ooh, I like this. <laughs> I almost can't see a world where Fuente isn't by Cornelson's side. Like I, I, I don't see the offense, you know, there's so many ways that I feel like they can, manipulate it in saying that they haven't had the same quarterback for full two seasons. They've done all these different things. Look at Gerard Evans and all the records they broke. And, you know, there are some good things that the offense has done, but I think when you boil it down to what is the identity, how consistent is it? I think there's a lot of questions remaining. And I think, you know, this, this has to be a year, whether it's fair or not. You know, this has to be a year where the offense performs well because, you know, this is a completely new defense. And I think, you know, maybe the first time in a long time, this is where the offense is probably a step ahead of the defense. Yeah. And this is an offense that's scored 30 points a game regularly last year. I don't expect them to struggle, but the thing that you have to look at it is if you're Justin Fuente and you struggle this season, you know next year is your make-or-break year. And then you also know that the current nucleus is is heading out after next season. So you have basically one more season to to be really, really successful. Um, so I think I, this is a make... This and next year are the make-or-break make years. Um, but just put this out there, I don't see Virginia Tech's offense struggling this season. Last three questions. Dexter 2020, best place to buy Crocs. Where'd you get Crocs, yours? Crocs.com, I think. I went on Amazon. I looked at Crocs.com. But... They have a lot of great, um, obviously, camo Crocs are the best design Preach. pattern or whatever you want to call it. But a lot of great options. Um, you know, my girlfriend was a Croc hater, I would say. And came around, and now she's got a nice pair of like I don't know, um, like pink umbrella, something like that kind of Crocs. So you know they're great for all ages, all genders, all everything. <laughs> Crocs.com. 
people are normally i was a hater then i tried it on and my life has changed for the better um <laughs> next question hustler four to three <laughs> is it called a cheesesteak or a hoagie it's a cheesesteak depends where you're from i would say cheesesteak by the way, what do you call if you're if you're getting a sandwich? Do you call it a sub, a grinder, a hoagie? If I'm getting a sandwich, it's a sandwich. If I'm okay, getting a well, sub, it's a sub. That's a, this might a different... be th- this might be for my northeast people because there's differences whether you're in Jersey, Philly, New York. In my county, they call it a wedge. Believe it or not, that's it's like if nobody it's, understands. If it's, if it's on a sub roll, it's sub. If it's on like, but I'm you know, talking, two slices I'm talking bread, about like a, about a sandwich. I'm, I'm talking about like a nice Italian, you know, nice Italian bread. Anyways, sub. we call it a wedge. Sub. I would not call it. I would it's call it anything but a sub. It's not a wedge. <laughs> All right. Um, last question. Do you think we play NC State on the 26th? Fingers crossed. And how many games do you think the Hokies play this fall? I'm going to say no on NC State. Seven. Wow. Wow. Okay. Okay. And I think Tech plays six games this fall. Wow. I'm hoping I... Prove me I, wrong. <laughs> I would be absolutely thrilled with six. I think I'm I'm current... The way that I'm currently thinking, I'm saying under four. And, you know, that's sad to say because I just haven't been able to quite get into the groove of this season. Even though we watched some games and everything seemed normal last weekend and it'll probably seem normal this upcoming weekend. It's just been really tough for Virginia Tech. So uh, I'm I'm optimistic for 26th. I I think I feel better about it knowing what I know now uh, than I did knowing what I knew a week ago about UVA. So I'm more optimistic that the 26th will happen. I think short term, they're still dealing with the issue from last week, which is why I'm not as optimistic on NC State. But long term, I mean, we're seeing the Big Ten come back with the rapid testing, whatever that's like. And, you know, if as schools and you know, as you go along, you're going to get a little better at this, and hopefully, some more testing and all that stuff um, continues to improve. Which, you know, every two or three weeks, things change and gets better. So by October third, when Tech's supposed to play Duke, I think you know things could be a little more different. That lets them, that enables them to at least get in some more, at least get the season going and figure it out from there. If we didn't answer your question. Um, we're sorry. There's a lot of questions and we definitely took up a bunch of time on this segment, but that's going to do it for us for this podcast. We don't want to make it go too long here, but <laughs> any final thoughts, Doug? Before don't we, make it uh, too good too long. And, oh, we're right at an hour, but yeah, uh, there'll be a few cuts. We'll be. A yeah. few cuts. <laughs> uh, I don't have any final thoughts. Just uh, hoping for the best. Yeah, looking forward to this weekend, looking forward to every weekend that there is college football. College football is the fall for me, so let's just fingers crossed that this thing keeps chugging along and that this podcast keeps chugging along. We made that promise. As far as the Hokies go, we will go too. Closing time 
a very bright shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.